Welcome to How to Enjoy Experimental Film, where you're hearing the soundtrack to Christian Lebras film Trauma, one of two films only in his output that use sound. Christian Lebra is a force to be reckoned with in French experimental film. A filmmaker of incredible focus, he produced works between the early 70s to mid 80s that proposed radical new formal dimensions to filmmaking, far beyond the structural film and lyrical film practices of the time. After 1985, Christian took the conscious decision to end his own filmography, to focus on other practices. His photographic practice is as renowned as his film works, and he also now works in video and has established Paris Experimental, one of the leading European publishing houses dedicated to discussing experimental film in print. In this episode, we're going to speak specifically about Lebras' films on celluloid, all of which are available from Revoir in Paris on a DVD, including an edition signed by the artist. These works are very rigorous in practice, but welcome the viewer with their openness to interpretation, as well as their sometimes exuberant colourful imagery. Starting, as so many experimental filmmakers do, as a painter, Christian was drawn seemingly by chance to film. This is a longer episode than usual, but it was important to me not to break up this discussion, as the body of film works has a sense of continuity that is relevant to our conversation. I should note, by the way, that before this interview, Christian emailed me to say that he didn't think his English was very good. The following episode, I'm sure, will demonstrate not only that Lebra's English is excellent, but that it is far superior to my French. I was a student. Uh, I study art in the late 70s, no, mid-70s, um, at the university. I was not in the School of Art. It was a new section for university dedicated to art. So I was quite young eh? and uh, I didn't know what I wanted exactly to do, but I was very interested in art and uh, in painting uh, mainly. And one day a friend of mine came to the university with an eight millimeter camera. And it was the first time I saw a camera, you see, a film camera. And uh, I asked him if he could lend it to me for a few days so I can try this tool, you see. And uh, so he, he gave me his camera and uh, I began to make some experiments with camera. And I understood that I was, that this uh, way to work with images uh, was for for me, uh, more interesting than painting. The painting I was doing was not very good. <laughs> I destroyed quite everything. <laughs> um, and uh, I decided so to, to work with him from this um, moment. And um, also uh, working with him for me was easier than working with painting because I was living in a very small room. I had no places, you see. and. <laughs> That's also, I think, why I chose film, because um, you don't need a lot of places. Uh, you don't have to waste a uh, uh, place for uh, paintings and uh, so things like that, you see. And so I began with a small uh, camera 
And uh, I bring an immediately with uh, eight millimeters films, you see. And um, the first thing I, I, I do is uh, was I was um, with paper, black paper. I put black paper in front of the lens, of the lens. And I filmed again the same role yeah. several times um, um, with different position of the black paper in front. So it was a kind of incrustation of images and it was very, but it was very artisanal. And then it was very difficult to control the exact, the exact um, places of the, of the paper because it was eight millimeters, very small image, you see. And after this, my father-in-law, who was um, an, an amateur, a film amateur, he made uh, movies uh, with uh, 16 millimeters uh, camera. It, it was in the period of the 75, he changed tool because it, uh, the, the video was coming, the video for people, you see, for normal people, not, uh, and uh, so he, he bought uh, new tools with video and he told me, oh, okay, you are interested in film, I can give you my camera, my, my um, yes, my camera. So I took his camera and it was a 16 millimeters camera um, and it was a very good camera. In the meantime, when he gave me this camera, um, there was, with the camera, there was several, uh, in the box, mm -hmm. there was a different lens and there was also a filter holder. And uh, I didn't know, you see, when, I, when he gave me, uh, this is also um, something, uh, it was always given to me even in my uh, photographic practice, uh, photography, let's see. But when I discovered that there was a filter holder, it was for me um, a chance because I could put inside the holder uh, pieces of um, black paper um, and I can move it more easily and more precisely than before. Yes. And so I began to work um, intensively with uh, this camera, uh, 16 millimeter camera. And it was a camera with, uh, um, you could only film for 30 seconds, you see? Mm -hmm. uh, and, um, and so it was quite limited. But for me, the constraints of this camera were very good. <laughs> yeah, um, I. I like to work with these constraints because it, it was, uh, it correspond to what I wanted to do. Uh, I wanted to fragment the image, to fragment the, the, the film, the film frame, the frame. And uh, it gave me the possibility to, to do it quite precisely. And that's how I began to work and making two films two very, very um, um, intuitive films, you see. Uh, the first two I made, um, especially the first one, which I call film number two, because it, <laughs> it, the title is film number two, because it was not my first essay, you see. But, and uh, in this film, film number two, it was made in one day, in maybe one or two hours uh, in front of the sea. And um, I put some um, paper and um, I refilmed several times the same role. 
And I discovered that I could um, so um, arrange the image and um, and make a different rings. And um, okay. And uh, so this was my my first discovery. Not exactly my first discovery, but my the, the things that I could understand that at this way I could way I could work with this tool, and maybe I can do things uh, interesting things. Many of Lebras films, in fact, deploy the same method of moving cut strips of paper through the filter holder of his camera. It is true of the aforementioned film number two, as well as Couleur Delicieuse sur Fond Bleu, Organisation number one, and slightly later Réseau. All of these use colour and re-photography, creating an illusion of depth and intertwining images. As I told you before, that uh, I was very interested in paintings, I, wa I wanted to try to make things, uh, original things, you see, things, uh, images that I never saw before, you see, and I wanted to, to try to do this. And so I told me, oh, you have to be very radical. That's the period that I um, discover the work of Peter Kubelka, you know, and uh, his uh, radical attitude um, in front of film and in front of filmmaking, you see. And uh, when I saw the work of Peter Kubelka, it was for me um, very important because um, I understood that I could be completely free making film, you see, and I could have a radical attitudes. So my radical attitude was, for Kubelka, it was the frame, you see, and but my radical attitude for me, it was two choice to work only with colors, just colors, see. So uh, abstract films, abstract rhythms. Mm. And, um, it, at the same time, as I told you, I was so a fan of painting. They had an exhibition of Marc Rothko in uh, Paris. Very, the, first, the first retrospective of Marc Rothko paintings in 1972. And uh, I went there. I was very young, I, I was 20 years old, you see, 72. And uh, it was for me something uh, extraordinary, absolutely an experience of color uh, that changed me radically, you see. And so my interest of colors came also, I think, from this aesthetic experience I made uh, looking at and, and staying in front, staying in front, this is important staying in front of um, the paintings of Rodko. And uh, cinema is the same thing, you stay in front of. Yeah. And, uh, and you can experience something very important. Yes. Maybe doing films. I wanted to reproduce this aesthetic emotion, but these are reflections I made later, you see, maybe very later. It was a kind of challenge to me. Uh, my challenge was, um, can, can I work with colors and do original films that are not reproducing what has already been done, you see? 
and this uh, was a question of work. <laughs> I had to work so much. And the, the first step was to, um, to work on the, on, the, on the dimension of the screen, you see. So you're working from a, a score, effectively. Yes, a score. Yes, exactly, yes. And a very precise score, and, uh, calculated mathematically, because <laughs> that's also another, another thing. But um, before to go to a University of Art, I made uh, studies of uh, mathematical. I yeah. loved mathematics. It was a really thing I really loved, but I didn't love the way that uh, uh, people were working. We, you had to work too much, and, and you couldn't see what was um, um, around you. So I decided to quit in the middle of the year, the scholastic year. I decided to quit mathematical for art. So it was quite a challenge, you see. And, um, but in art, I was interested to, uh, to mathematics too. I was working at the time like a projectionist, three days a week. So it let me a lot of time to work. And uh, as a, I was working with a projectionist, I had the opportunity to, to make experiments by um, making, two, making loops with the films I already filmed, uh, organization, I made loops of organization, I put in two projectors, and I began to uh, understand that I can make a kind of um, performance mm. with two projectors, you see? And um, that's the, the second step with color. This work made from loops using material from organization, Liminal Minimal, is a live performance for two film projectors, which has been documented in a video on the DVD we mentioned earlier. It is designed as an experience of exploding colour beyond the boundaries of the frame of a screen to consider how colour illuminates a space, how we perceive those colours as viewers, and even what happens if a person happens to find themselves in the path of a projector beam as it is moved around the performance space. This experiment was followed with Réseau, a more conventional single-channel film piece, in which different locations prominently featuring different colours co-mingle through the moving strips of filmed image. It is quite remarkable how the illusion of depth is created, almost by chance in this film, as well as reducing physical locations to their dominant colour tones. Réseau, meaning networks, implicates the viewer entirely in the experience of the film. The mind of the viewer is perceiving and creating rather than experiencing depth. It is, after all, a flat screen onto which the film is projected. Similarly, in the use of colour, the individual audience member will probably experience these colours in a different way than the person next to them, depending on a variety of factors relating to vision. In a very real sense, therefore, in a Christian Lebrat film, the viewer is implicated in the actual production of the film along with the maker. The films are made as much in the mind of the viewer as they are on the celluloid strip. The line between perception and the materiality of film is all but obliterated, meaning that the experience of the film is very much greater than the sum of its material parts. So, uh, one thing, yes, I can say about my films that... Um... 
I wanted people looking at my film being completely free mm. in front of my films. I didn't tell you a story, of course, mm. but also I didn't tell you what you have to see, what you have to uh, uh, experience. I, I want you to be absolutely free. So if you see my films different times, I think you see different films because it depends on your mind and um, what, um, what you are interested at the moment. And, uh, and you, can, you can feel free really to see what you want in my films. The next step was contrary of, uh, of the performance. I came back to the dimension of a frame, you see, of one frame. And uh, I used the filter holder uh, to divide the screen in six parts with six vertical strips. Each, uh, everything was made, was handmade. I went to a store, a very normal store, and I bought um, uh, six colors of uh, acetate. See. <laughs> And I, I cut them and I put uh, six different colors in vertical, in a vertical grid. And uh, fr uh, from that time, I could imagine, I could also calculate that uh, six vertical colors, if I change the colors, if I change the order of the colors inside the grid, I have a lot of uh, possibilities, you see. I worked with different orders of colors in the grid and different way of filming, you see, filming for one frame, filming for two frames, um, moving the grid from one vertical grid or two vertical grids or three vertical grids. So there was a lot of uh, possibilities. I look at the result. What I discover is that um, when I was project projecting the, the rushes I, I, I made, you see, that the colors that were on the celluloid didn't reproduce on the screen because it was projecting and with a very, very intense rate and everything, every colors were, were mixing on the screen. But actually <laughs> what I discovered that there is nothing on the screen, you see? This is one point, quite important point. The image doesn't exist, there is there is, it's immaterial, but it's a real concrete experience. <laughs> I, so I made a trauma and I, I composed different patterns. Exactly, mm -hmm. yes. And uh, trauma is made of patterns that uh, change. And uh, the colors, the colors were completely uh, changed. For example, uh, from the, on the celluloid, I had the green, uh, yellow, blue, uh, and um, the six colors, uh, normal colors. And on the screen, I could add uh, a yellow, but very close to gold colors. Yeah. You see, I could have gray colors. And so I understood that uh, I was making the film myself as a spectator, you see. Because the colors are the colors that are coming in my mind and mixed in my mind. 
That's why I think that my films, of course, my films are not about fiction uh, or uh, uh, documentary. Uh, I don't want to uh, to learn anything about colors. I just want to experience color in a new way. This work is the film Trauma that we mentioned at the top of the show. The word itself means grid, such as the grid of colors one uses to calibrate television equipment, here transposed to celluloid film. The dimensions of the colour strip stays the same for the entire running time, but the position of the colours on the screen alternates, sometimes very rapidly, which causes the viewer to experience the same colour in a number of different ways. May I ask, what what is the power of colour to you? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, ev- everyone in front of my fin can feel his, his vibration, you see? Your vibrations. My vib- I know my vibrations, but I don't know what are your vibrations. So you can feel the film as it's up to you. If you because it's also a question of eyes. Yeah. I think that we have different eyes. We have different ways of seeing colors. So you can see colors that maybe I, I don't see, you see, a uh, different one. What the thing important is that you made an experience and um, a unique experience of colors looking at trauma. Your body is reacting in your, your mind, of course, because everything is going from your, uh, your mind. But um, it's um, oh, also, for example, you see, um, trauma, it's a vertical grid and it's very important. Why did I choose to work with vertical grids and not horizontal grids, for example? If, if I had worked with horizontal grids, the result would be very different because horizontal, it's the, the horizon. <laughs> so it's the paysage, uh, the country, you see, yes. it's, uh, it's what you can see from here to here. And with, uh, you work with vertical, it's uh, your position. We stand up. And <laughs> so uh, when I worked with vertical grids, it was for me a way to stand up in front of the, of the screen, mm. to stand up and to see what I can do and uh, what I experience this extraordinary um, experience of film. And that is possible only with film. And so I was, also, uh, working with color for, was for me uh, looking for the art core of cinema. You see, I, I wanted to find what is the, where, where, where does, it, uh, does it function? Where, 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 where is the art core? What is the, the, the essential of cinema? So this was trauma. And uh, the, the next step uh, was uh, Olon. Uh, Olon was... Uh, very different from trauma, very different because it was a, a new way to approach color, uh, not with vertical grids, but with um, horizontal strips with a black cardboard, you see, uh, cutted and um, perforated. Uh, perforated ribbons, and I move the perforated ribbons laterally. So when I I cut in ribbons, uh, in black uh, cards, uh, uh, cardboard. 
these uh, ribbons, um, everything you see was made with no money. <laughs> Absolutely uh, uh, very uh, uh, radical in every, in every way. You see, I had no money. I, um, for how long I got a grant uh, just to pay the celluloid and the development, it was quite good to see. So I, I come back to the ribbons, um, vertical ribbons. I understood, already I had understood with trauma that color in cinema was not a pigment. It seems evident, but I came from painting and for me colors was something material, but in, in cinema it's completely immaterial and it's only optical but with Olon, I was interested that the celluloid uh, is made of three layers and each layer is a color. And mixing the three layers, you can obtain all the colors. I bought Kodak filters, which were the three colors. But when I filmed Olon, I filmed three times with Free, the three filters. I am moving the ribbons. Um, the quantity of uh, white and black, so the quantity of light and dark is moving during the filming. And if I rewind and, I, and, and if I film again a second time with another color and also uh, the, the mix of, of white and black is different. Um, that's why the colors in Olon are always mutating, transforming themselves. The colors have, have no shape anyway. Yeah. No shapes. They, they can be completely free, you see. And that's a fact also. To come back to my to my life and what I was living at the time, you see, um, the free colors. I, I can speak of free colors because at the time I was not interested at all in cinema. I, I did. I, 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 um, I, I never went to see films. I, I, fiction films were not my interest. I was only. I was very 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 interesting in free jazz. And uh, the late 70s was uh, a wonderful period for free jazz in Paris. I speak with it because I said that I wanted three colors as, uh, as the, the jazz players wanted three <laughs> songs. <laughs> in a way, it's, uh, I can see it like that. See? I can imagine like that. So, so it's a film made by three ants, not only my two ants, which were moving the ribbons. But there was one end of my wife. I, I asked her if she can move the um, objective and the quantity of light going through the objective. So you have several vibrations that are um, mixing. And what you see on the screen is the result of this, um, of this uh, vibration, different quantity of light and different colors and everything mixing together um, and, and transforming during the, the projection, you see. Also, uh, I decided at one moment 
to put sound of trauma. Trauma is uh, with music. Allon is silent. And uh, so I told me that if I put sound on trauma and if I live Allon without sound, the difference will be more evident <laughs> for the viewer, you see. Uh, because you cannot put sound on Olong. <laughs> it's quite possible. In trauma, you can because um, it's a vi- vibrating and it's like drums. It's rhythmic, yeah. Yeah, it's very drummy. It's a drummy image, you see. Yes. So, uh, it's, like, it's like 12 drums playing together with colors. <laughs> and it was, uh, so at one moment, I heard about uh, um, a music from uh, Ingoma, Ingoma Burundi, a record uh, published in 1969 by um, anthropologist who, who came and register, uh, record the, the ceremony, you say. Okay, when I heard it, I said, that's the music for trauma. If I want to put music, that's it. I tried different things. At, at the end, when I listened to this music, I said, it's okay, I will, I will do it. And, and so I put the music on trauma. And after I read about this music, what was this music about? I discovered that um, it's a tribal music with something like uh, 20 drums playing together. And uh, the purpose of this music to announce a very important event. The the tribe is uh, waiting for another tribe coming in the the forest, you see. And um, they have uh, invited them for ceremony. And when they make music, the the tribe which is going knows where they have to go. And also, so it's a music to welcome people symbolically. For me, uh, to put the music to welcome you mm. to see my film, it's nice. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, I didn't know the story of the music, but it you immediately know that there's a, a joyousness in the music. Yes, and uh, so, yes, it's a very, very, yes, very glad, you see. It's, yeah. uh, wow, <laughs> we yeah. can have fun together. <laughs> Is it important to you also that the film has an effect that you don't predict, that, that you don't expect to happen? Ah, yes. Oh, one most important thing when you work is to discover that your work, that you, that, that's a surprise, what you, what you have been doing. Uh, is surprising you. you. You couldn't imagine that you could produce this. Uh, and uh, so if not, it has no interest. Mm-hmm. If you already know what you want to see, <laughs> um, what's the interest, you see? I, want, I wanted to be surprised, surprised yeah. by the result and, and um, to be free too. Mm-hmm. But, uh, film is a very constrained media. The frame of the image, everything, uh, you didn't choice. To choose something, you have to um, really exper- experiment with, um, with the different uh, tools you have at, at disposition. 
several publications have referenced the Braz films in relation to structural film practices, but I found this to be rather puzzling as they don't really compare to many supposed key works in this style. Not least, there is simply no rational reason why some of his films begin or end where they do. So how does the filmmaker respond to this label? It's a mistake. And it's a mistake from the beginning. In the 80s, when me and some of my friends, we made films um, and a, a new current, a new, a new movement. But the first comment was, uh, oh, they are just making structural films. And uh, I, I wrote to the, to the journalist, Italian journalist who, who wrote this, and I said, no, it's not, uh, you, you made a mistake because you have not seen the film. <laughs> you just have read a description about the film. And in fact, if you look at my films, the experience is very different from the structural film uh, because the structural films that I love, you see, uh, um, they began at one point and they finish an, another point. So uh, structural filmmakers uh, worked on the possibilities of film and, uh, and the different, uh, for, uh, on zoom, for example, on uh, color, on rhythm, but they were always Telling a story, telling a story because, for example, you see, uh, Paul Sharitz's film, Nothing. Yeah. It begins with M and it finishes with J, you see. And, so, and, and between, between the two letters, there is nothing. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, but it's a story, but it's a story of nothing. <laughs> and um, touching, touching, which is fantastic film. Absolutely incredible thing, you see. It's a story of touching, touching with your eyes. And there is a beginning and there is an end. And if you look at my films, there is no beginning and no end. It's um, systemic patterns that uh, returns and change. And uh, it's, it's, if you, if you, it's as if you are in a vortex. My films are vortex. They are not stories beginning from one point to another point, that vortex. And, and that's why maybe it's so difficult for some people to, uh, to, to react to my film because it's a vortex and you have to be immediately in the vortex. I mean, I don't introduce you to my work. You have to be inside immediately as if you don't feel them. Uh, the vibrations immediately, maybe you, you have to try another time. <laughs> but so the notion of vortex is very important. And, um, and this is um, completely different from structural cinema, you see. We, I mean, myself and some of my colleagues, uh, we were absolutely um, very fond of structural film, but I think for myself, and my way will be different. In the late 70s, I wrote a text and, and the, the title is a post-structural film. <laughs> I wanted a new, a new denomination for my films, not, <laughs> not the post-structural. And in this text, I explain 
what is the difference uh, between structural and uh, post-structural pain? The process of experimenting with the tools at one's disposal seems to reach a kind of culmination with the film Autoportrait au Dispositif, or Self-Portrait Using Apparatus. So the autoportrait, I began to build the perforated ribbons. This was a new tool for me, and I wanted to experiment it. And uh, first of all, I tried to experiment it with figurative images. And um, I think like that, uh, in black and white from, from my window. And uh, I look at the result and um, um, I was not interested. I said, well, what's this? It's not, um, no, no interest, let's say. So I, I told me, what can you film that could, which would, would be interesting to be filmed with this tool, you see, this new tool. And, um, I was living in a small room, as I told you, and um, uh, that's the time I said, okay, maybe, and there was a very big mirror in my room. (laughs) And I look at me in the mirror and I said, okay, maybe you can film yourself. You can film yourself in the mirror. And uh, so you can film yourself filming, uh, making the film, you see. I put another, mirror behind me, and I put me be behind the two mirrors, you see? And I began to film like that. And uh, <clears throat> uh, this film was uh, really a challenge because it was filmed four times, you see? From the beginning to the end, uh, reverse, uh, left to right and right to left. So four times, the same role, you see? And uh, I couldn't make rushes before because I had only I had only one <laughs> one roll of film and it was in my fridge for, for some time and uh, I took this film this roll of film and I, I made the film and uh, I was uh, waiting for the result and uh, when I went to the lab to take the film back and uh, I could look at it uh, I say okay you have done it <laughs> it's good <laughs> and uh, and uh, the images were completely mixing together, uh, four flickerings together, you see. And, but the color, that film was not a colored film. It was green because the color had, um, were over, you see. Yes. Uh, and the first, uh, I say, oh God. And at the end, I, I thought, okay, that's good. This color is a color of, um, an old film, and your work is my work is uh, um, referenced is a reference to the old films mm. because you can see the tools inside. It's like uh, the first um, experience with film that were made uh, at the beginning of film. So it was very good that the film was greenish and uh, and everything uh, and. Um, I said, it's okay, that's my first experience with this new tool and it's good. And also this film has no end. No. No end. That's why I show it, when I show it, I show it first in one way and after I show it reverse. And the title is reverse also at the end of the film. So people can understand that it has been projected reverse, you see. Because this film has no beginning, no end. You, You have to... Okay, it's a vortex. 
Yes. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. I'm... Also, uh, a palindrome, where it's the same forwards and backwards in a way. Yeah. Of course, uh, this film, it was not... Uh, you cannot recognize me in the film because <laughs> there are four, uh, four times filming, you see. So the images are, are mixing. So I, I was the, the medium for the film, but um, the, the purpose of the film was not to, to make a portrait of myself. Then we come to the final film of Le Bras filmography, Le Moteur de l'Action, in which the filmmaker shoots a role featuring the soundtrack to an unknown film, perhaps the ultimate exploration in allowing the viewer to make their own film in their head. After Roland, I decided that I will not make films. I had no more money and, and, and it was too much difficult. Mm. And... Um, when I was working at the university, I found out uh, on a shell a pizza, what we call a pizza, which is um, what remains of the sound of a fiction film, you see. Yeah. And uh, uh, this uh, integrated, uh, I was very, I, it was very strange. I said, wow, what, what's this, you see? And I take it and I listen to the sound of the and when I listened to the, to the sound of a, of a, of a pizza, I, I said, okay, that's for me. <laughs> that's for me. It's, it's really very interesting. It's speaking about um, a body. What, what's going on with your body, you see? And um, it's a fragmented, a ready-made. It's a ready-made sound, you see? And I say, I... I I said to me, oh, I will take this film and make me my own film. And um, I will stole it. So actually, I stole it. <laughs> I, stole it. <laughs> I finished my filmography at the time. I decided to finish my filmography with this film, which, which is no more on color, no more on the image. It's a film, it's a sound film, uh, sound fragmented films which can recall the work I made with color and with figurative image, but um, it's also, also this film is an homage to uh, Marcel Duchamp, so important artist, you see. Mm -hmm. And um, I was very interested in painting in the two uh, things, abstract uh, expressionism, working with uh, painting and colors and, and, and uh, conceptual art and minimalist art. Uh, this film, uh, Le moteur de l'action is like uh, to say, okay, um, I am also interested in sound, not only on color. I have a, a very different experience viewing the film in the UK uh, ah. because there, it's available on this DVD, but uh, there are no subtitles. Um, so ah. I'm hearing sound in a, in a language that I don't fully understand. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so it becomes a, an imaginary film. Human. Ah, fantastic. No. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. In fact, it could be uh, broadcasted, you see? Yes. Yeah. Because it's a, it's a sound piece. It's a, it's a film, but it could be broadcasted as a sound piece. Then you stop making films, it seems, at, at this point. Yeah. My main work was uh, with photography at this period. And uh, I began... Um, Exper uh, Paris Experimental. I began yes. to publish films, uh, to publish books um, in 1985. So, you know, 1985 is my, 
is le moteur de l'action, My Last Film, and it's the beginning of uh, the first book I published uh, with um, Paris Experimental, so a new adventure. Holon became a book as well, a photo book. Ah, yes. This, <laughs> this is nice. It was very a long, very long time after, so maybe uh, 25 years later. Um, because uh, when I made Holon and uh, so many times people tell me that uh, it's wonderful, this film. Uh, uh, I enjoy so much this film, but I, I wanted to stop the colors. I want to see the colors. I not uh, just want uh, uh, to stop colors, to see what, when, what is this film, you see? And uh, so um, uh, at one time I decided to make this Flickr, Flickr book uh, with a, a small portion of Holon. So people can uh, flip the book and they can stop on the colors. They can see colors. It's, it's another experience of the, of the film. It's um, and it's a nice object. Yeah. Uh, you. Um, so uh, it was um, made very later. Just enter the movie theater and be disponible. Disponible, uh, the same thing at, in, in, in uh, every part of your life. I mean, you have to enter the movie theater and uh, be available for reception of a new experience, see? So don't go with your mind and uh, your ideas. <laughs> Maybe you, you will find new ideas and new way of thinking in the movie theater. You discover, you discover. For example, for me, a very important experience was to discover Walden by Jonas Mekas in 1972 in Paris, the first one of the first projection of Walden. And uh, I didn't understand anything of English, you see, at the time, <laughs> but the film gave me so much energy to do things. What is important and when you are in front of a work of art, you see, it, uh, the most important is that it will give you energy to do something and to be yourself. If you've enjoyed what you've heard, don't forget to subscribe. We'll be back with more very soon. Christian and I hope to return with another episode dedicated specifically to his video and performance works in the near future, so do keep an eye out for that. In the meantime, my thanks to Christian Lebra for being so generous with his time, to Gabriel Ness, who composed the music for this show, and of course to you for listening. See you next time. Yeah.